it is a privilege and an honour to continue on in what has already gone before this morning and to speak to who God is, um, to testify to his character and to share examples from my own life and those around me. Um, because I think throughout the history of the people of God, they have told the stories of who God is and all that he has done, and they have testified since the beginning of time. And that didn't stop That didn't stop with the Bible being written down. It's something that we are to continue. And so um, I'm going to share fairly reflexively a few examples um, of not only what's in scripture, but what God is doing in us and through us in our lives, because um, testimony is so powerful and it speaks to who God is and it really just glorifies him. And so I've been asked to speak on faith, uh, believing and seeing the impossible, which is uh, one of the core, val- core values or principles of this church, and it's a part of a series that's on the presence, and we will get to how Uh, faith is connected to the presence partway through. But I am quite uh, excited. Um, The impossible is something that I am, I am like a heat-seeking missile for adventure. I, (laughs) I I have been told off before for not being fearful enough. Um, But in that circumstance, I wasn't fearful because I needed to be something that was radically different to what was happening at the time. So you can hear an Australian accent. Um, On Pentecost Sunday four years ago, I was on a secret reconnaissance mission to Glasgow, gave God a list of things. The Holy Spirit had already given prophetic words in Australia, look up a church called Hope. I had Hope written on my office door. I had Hope written all over my home. I had Hope everywhere on my key ring. And the Holy Spirit said, you're going to go visit a church called Hope. And I was like, God, I want to add to the list. I would like to hear someone from Bethel while I'm in Europe because I've never been to Europe before. Um, And it just so turned out that while my work was paying for me to come to Europe, my only spare weekend had um, a visit to Hope, a reconnaissance mission. Kevin Deadmond from Bethel running a supernatural lifestyle (laughs) seminar and me getting completely wrecked and no less than seven of you prophesied that I would come back. (laughs) I then went back to Australia and didn't tell, uh, well, I did, but I had to be like, I love reconnaissance missions. Um, So I had something in my heart to be like, oh, just give stuff away, pack down the house, get ready to quit your job. And I was like, Lord, you need to provide. And um, only my immediate family knew some of this. And then all these people kept saying, I see you in this dear green place. (laughs) And it has... It has sandstone, but it's not yellow sandstone. Have you ever heard of red sandstone before? And I'd just been in Glasgow. I'm like, mm-hmm. They're like, and there's dancing in the streets, and there's heaven, and, and it's just a word of hope. And I'm like, I, do, I mean, do you want their address? So um, that was me four years ago, and within six months, um, because I had a few commitments to finish. So I work as a university lecturer and a criminologist, Um, I had to finish a few other things like my PhD um, and just once I had the word of God I was off and racing and this has been a source of home from probably the second or third day that I was here. So I knew that this would be my church and it has been my church um, and I have found kindred spirits here so thank you for your part in that. 
Um, so what I would like to do is to work through aspects of Hebrews 11, the ultimate chapter on faith. And this is going to be mm, quite an uh, honest version of Hebrews 11 because there's some things going on in that chapter that I haven't heard many sermons on. Um, or some character traits that you don't always equate with faith because you think of faith and people are like, yes, that's the faith chapter and there'll be healings and raising from the dead. But we'll see that there's a few other things uh, happening in the chapter because I like pragmatic honesty when it comes to hearing about the kingdom and growing. We can only grow if we start from who we already are and where we're at and God, God takes us as we are and he moves us on from there. And so Hebrews is a letter to the early church. It's predominantly to Jewish Christians. And even though it was the early church, they'd already been through quite a bit. These were some risky people. They, were, they already got the radical bit. They were not particularly materialistic. They had given away their possessions. They'd risked imprisonment. I think some people were imprisoned. There'd been quite a bit of conflict. They were not in the um, people-pleasing, head-below-the-parapet style of lifestyle. They already understood quite a bit about the character of God and um, were compelled by that. But at this point, quite a lot has happened to them. Um, there's been a lot going on. And this, this chapter is um, part of a book that is an encouragement that says, yes, we need to recognise the costliness of being a believer. We must not gloss over that because otherwise you can actually think, when things happen, why is this happening to me? It's quite a valid question. But this was like, we hear you, you are heard, you are seen, you are understood. These things have happened, you had already been so brave, we are not patronising you, but hold on and keep going. Keep going. Yes, there is a costliness, but the love of God and the power of God is worth it. And so it's about choosing to live a life out radically, no matter what the cost, and it lays the foundation for a supernatural life of risk-taking and sacrificial love. And so it is, um, the context of it is quite inspiring. Just, I don't know if we can get the verses of Hebrew 11 up on the screen. I don't know if that's a possibility. Um, I've got a paper Bible as well. This is an extremely... Um, well-travelled Bible. It has nearly got me in trouble at customs in a few countries before uh, where I wasn't supposed to be taking Bibles, but nonetheless. Okay, so there's, uh, the, the chapter starts with um, quite, quite a gem. So Hebrews 11 verse 1, um, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Um, and some versions say, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Um, and it also talks about assurance, um, conviction, or the essence of things hoped for. And um, as a criminologist, that quite interests me. I, I've, I get to spend um, a bit of time in the courts here, and I've been able to spend quite a bit of time in the courts in Australia. So I'm not a lawyer, but I have some idea of what evidence is. And yet God's idea of what's happening in this chapter with evidence is a little bit different to the seeing is believing sceptical mentality of if it's not material, it's not real. So he's teaching us something uh, quite important 
in terms of the different forms of evidence, what he counts as substance or um, his part in assuring us of who he is and what he's capable of. And it reminded me of an example, actually, that happened during the week. So during the week, um, um, I was called to give evidence at the Scottish Parliament Committee. And weeks before that, we had given written evidence, very, very carefully written evidence um, to do with a bill that's before the Parliament. And the way that you construct evidence, there's a structure, there's a format, and they will format it quite correctly. It has to be referenced. And we'd done that weeks in advance, and yet they still call for, you're called as a witness, and, you, and you're called to give evidence, and what you say counts equally as evidence than what's written with the references. So that involved um, being cross-examined by all the MSPs for two hours, and that was, that was quite interesting. But, and it's not only on what's gone before, but the bill is like its principles and its future implications, so what to expect, informing and influencing what could happen. So it's an unusual use of the word of evidence if you're giving evidence on something that has not yet come to pass. That's what I did this week. Um, and that's something that is a privilege and an honour and a high priority and I cannot tell you how many hours and years of waiting but hours of prep went into doing aspects of that. And so that's different types of evidence and I think that there's a, a, a much more important parallel going on here. And so throughout the history of the people of God they have had written evidence, they've had scrolls and then we've got the Bible um, and that is just remarkable. It's one of our best sources of information about who God is, about the kingdom of heaven, about creation that none of us could have seen because we weren't there. So the Bible is fundamentally precious and a source of truth and very, very important. And then there's the other source of evidence that's like if you think of examples of Jesus saying who he is and his father is in that moment that was spoken it was not written down at that point it has been written down and if we think also of being witnesses of the evidence of heaven actually every day in our lives we can declare the word of God both the written word of God but we can also speak out what we hear him saying and we can be witnesses and that counts just like me speaking on a bill that may or may not be passed and its future implications informing that our testimony of who God is what his principles and his declarations are, what he's done in our lives, prophecy, so declaring history in advance, our partnership with his spoken word through the Holy Spirit and through the life of Jesus both on this earth and who he is um, with us now, that is, that is another form of evidence if you want to think about that. So faith being evidence of what we hope for, evidence of heaven, um, evidence of the King of Heaven, we carry the King of Heaven and the Holy Spirit inside of us. So this is actually a type of evidence that's not like um, criminal justice systems always evidence after the fact. Um, if you think about all the crime TV that a lot of you might watch, it's investigative and it's after the fact. Um, and yet sometimes in Christendom God has given us revelation of the future in advance and we can know who he is and his character and we can testify and be part of making in some ways the material evidence happen here on earth because we already believed it and God takes that belief or that faith as the evidence and then he responds because he thinks they already get it. They're already there. Come on. So the father is like, 
loving it when we see our conviction, our assurance, the essence of what we believe is something that happens in our hearts and in our minds, because I'm an academic, but I don't believe it's just intellectual. I think it's about, you know, we, we believe it in our wholeness. And God longs to say, in the presence of hearers, you will be my witnesses, you will be present, you carry my presence, and by faith, let's partner together, and there's actually going to be a whole lot more evidence um, demonstrated from that. And so it's hearing the written word of God and the Rema word of God. So um, I am not a theologian. I've done some training, but I'm not a theologian. But Rema actually just relates to the utterances of Jesus Christ. So it was God speaking um, while he was here on earth, and God continues to speak because Jesus is not dead. And so the written word of God and the Rema word of God, that's like the two forms of evidence. And these are relevant because in Romans 10 verse 17... It says about how, how, to, how to get faith or how to grow in faith. It's not something we need to strive in um, because God longs to meet us where we're at. But Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I would submit to you that that is the written word of God and the Rema word of God through the Holy Spirit speaking to us here and now and through living out a life with Jesus and the Father that looks like who he is and what he's saying and who he's causing us to be. And the example that um, came up, I thought this is quite interesting. So Jesus, the ultimate example, um, so his life on earth was promised and foretold in the written word of God long before. He even had access to the scrolls with the prophecies in it about him. So there was enough time passed that he had some idea, and he might not have um, gone to the Bible school that the others did, but he had um, knowledge of what had been foretold, and he often said, it is written. So we have the written word of God throughout history promising and foretelling something that's already true, but they haven't seen it yet. It hasn't been revealed yet. So it is true. It's something to believe in. God's people had faith throughout history. That is that is belief, but they haven't seen it yet. And then at the beginning of his ministry, in the early days, Jesus does something very interesting um, as an example of um, the turning of the tide or the changing. So um, if you think about the prophecies that went before, one of my favourites is in Isaiah 61, for I have come to proclaim freedom at the year of, uh, what was it, year yeah, freedom to the captives. And he goes on, and there's this amazing thing that I love declaring uh, fairly regularly and warring with in prayer. And at the beginning of his ministry, and it's hard to place exactly where it was, but it's in the early parts um, of Luke, so Luke 4, 18 to 21, Jesus gets up and agrees with the word of God. And he actually speaks out Isaiah 61 and says, for it is written... And he, as a Rima word, so he's declaring it about himself and over himself. Even though he is fully God in human form, he is agreeing with the written word of God in his circumstance and declaring over himself, which is a really good hint that we can continue to declare over ourselves. If Jesus declares it over him, it's good enough for me to declare over ourselves. And so at the beginning of his ministry, early days, he declares that over himself when he's been doing a bit of preaching um, I think there might have been a healing 
but we're not seeing the epic, epic fullness that is to come. It's there, but he hasn't necessarily revealed it. And yet he says, this is who I am. He declares over himself and about himself. And then he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he's partnering with the promise of God. And people marveled and inspired faith. So we've got the written word of God. We've got the Rema word of God in situ being declared over it. People are hearing the word of God coming to faith and salvation. And there are miracles even from that. He goes on to lead the most incredible life here on earth and yet he says he only speaks what he hears his father saying so he is living out faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God even though he was fully God here on earth he believed he listened to his father and he lived as though that was true and it did become true it was like my father is this my father has said that so I only do what I hear him saying and storms stop, 5,000 get fed, the dead get raised, healings, um, people um, affected by demons get set free, and yet he only speaks what he hears his father saying. And then we have John 1 where it's like, well, he is the word of God. So faith and the word of God have a very close relationship, be it written down or be it spoken, and hearing uh, the Rema word of God. And I heard... um, Bill Johnson preaching on this recently and he said faith will explore and demonstrate what revelation reveals. It's just a succinct way of saying what Jesus is a perfect example of and what many of the disciples and the people of God went on to do. So your faith will take you into what God has promised and revealed to you. It's actually yours. And in believing and partnering with him and with the kingdom of heaven, you will live out and demonstrate it in measurable ways to see his kingdom come here on earth. So faith is the first part. God sees that as evidence or as substance or conviction. And then you work together for what you believe to be realized and manifest here on this earth. Um, and I'm, I'm quite passionate about the believer's testimonies throughout throughout um, throughout the stories of the people of God and I'll get to a few in a minute but we can read I'll read a few verses out of Hebrews 11 it's a pretty uh, large chapter but we can read on so verse 3 it says by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible Uh, By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. Um, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Um, He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded as one who pleased God. That is a pretty good characteristic to be remembered for. I like that one. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And we're pretty good on that bit. The one that some expressions of Christianity have had trouble with is the rest of this sentence. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So his goodness is a part of his identity and who we're meant to be believing in. And I think once we partner with it, not in an instrumental, if I do this, I will get rewards. Oh, this is a great inheritance. Not in an instrumental way because he can discern our heart. But if we believe 
I believe that he is a good, good father and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is actually not just believing in a God we need to be obedient to, but a God we would want to be obedient to because he is so good and we're going to partner with the rewards that are available through the kingdom of heaven that have very, very practical outworkings. So by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, and goes on quite a bit um, to do with Abraham, and we're moderately um, well acquainted with that. It talks about being a stranger, even though he was with the promised land because his relationship was with the promise giver and the promises of heaven. So even... Um, in, in being in certain homes or in certain countries, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Um, Abraham and Sarah um, had some fertility problems. I'd suggest they had some marriage problems. I reread that recently and was like, this is the honest version of that story is um, interesting. LAUGHTER he, he was happy for her to basically be given away, not once, but twice, and hid from the fact that he was her husband. So how's that for, like, gallantry is back? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, but God loved him, and he is very inspiring. Um, and so it says in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, and for those of us who are migrants and have left places we call home, this is a very real example, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Um, and it goes on, and uh, there, are, there are quite a few examples. The ones that I... There's uh, Jacob, there's Moses, um, the people passing through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. The walls of Jericho falling... Um, 31, so by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. There's quite a few people that would not be thinking that that would be an example that's necessarily in this chapter, and yet not only is she in this chapter, she's in the genealogy and the lineage of Christ. And she's, she did some awesome and very risky things because she believed and because she recognised the truth and so verse 32, it says, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon. Again, a um, bit of an anxiety issue in a wine press, doing some hiding um, <clears throat> and putting out lots of fleeces in the hope, or maybe not in the hope that they wouldn't get answered, but doing like, oh, if, if it's your will, Lord, like avoiding what he'd already said. Um, he then went on to be a formidable warrior and did stuff that even his dad was like, look, I'm going to defend this because that's my boy. Like, that was, was very destructive and, and the enemies are going to be angry, but that's my boy. So he was an awesome warrior, but he didn't start out in that place. Barak, um, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets. 
This next bit I really like um, because we always uh, often associate faith with healing, but there's some other things that faith is associated with. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice. That is a good outworking of faith, and let me tell you, we need it. And gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness, that is a direct acknowledgement of reality, was turned to strength and became powerful and in battle and routed out foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. <clears throat> Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced years in flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Remember that we are a part of his, the perfection of what he's wanting to see happening on the earth. And so I want to sort of emphasize that Hebrews 11 is a story of testimonies where there were some issues or some weakness, um, but people of faith going about and doing mighty and great exploits in relationship with their God. And this was being told to the early church who'd shown great risky faith, but whose faith needed encouraging to keep believing and to overcome the obstacles they faced. And so the whole um, thought process of, is it worth it? This is so hard. We've lost our belongings. We're homeless. Our friend is in prison. We're at risk of our lives. I think those are very real inner conversations or private conversations that people would be having. And yet God remembers, actually, this has gone before. They have done the mightiest things. And the believer's testimonies has a relationship between faith and evidence. So we start to see things teasing out between believing and seeing and also examples throughout the Bible and testimonies of where seeing then leads to believing. So it's a bit like which came first, the chicken or the egg, but God has these beautiful cycles throughout the history of his people and they testify. If we think about where they sung songs of deliverance, it would have been in the deserts and on those mountains and in those caves, not right when they'd just conquered a city. They might have sung it when they conquered a city, but I think those songs of deliverance meant more in exile and being misunderstood and not yet having the practical reality of the revelation that you've been told by God. Songs of deliverance and testimonies of the stories of God mean quite a lot in circumstances like that. Faith is, the, faith is something, I think this chapter really drives home, Faith is something that matters a lot and is very important in circumstances we probably wouldn't wish on anyone. So everyone's like, yes, faith. Yes, Pentecost Sunday, faith. I love faith. This is going to be lots of exciting stories and is. But faith means something. Like light means something in the midst of darkness. Faith means something in circumstances where 
some pretty heavy-duty things are happening and the answers have not yet revealed themselves. And yet we work with God to be counted not even worthy of this world because we are partnering with heaven, which is the answer that they were longing and holding out and hoping for. Because all of the examples in Hebrews 11 are from the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. And yet how much more can we go on to see the fullness of partnering and co-laboring with God, declaring his history in advance and realising that in the midst of circumstances that are challenging and are very, very costly because Jesus came and because we have the Holy Spirit in us and with us. So we are even the other side of the cross and of um, in the new covenant to this collection of testimonies. And yeah, I just want to explore that testimony angle a bit um, in terms of, uh, in Revelations 12 verse 11, it says, sorry, I'm going to try and open this. I've been speaking all week, um, so my voice is going to hold out in Jesus' name. Um, So Revelation 12, 11 says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. This is a beautiful first part to that scripture. And the word of their testimony, part number two, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So when we think about where that is in Revelation 12, it was actually, I heard a voice from heaven saying, and now is the kingdom and all of this power and the glory and all the things that we love to declare, that we sing at the top of our lungs, that we have in our quiet times. And we see some keys here in what a believer's testimony and faith can mean in those types of circumstances. So they overcame the accuser, um, the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That is the most epic testimony to be living from. That is the first one. That was a lamb chose to lay down his life, die and, and rise again. And it's by his blood and by his name that great, great testimonies can be told. And so Jesus, as the forerunner and as the perfect example of our faith, the author and perfecter of our faith, and then they overcame not only by Jesus, God is working with his people. We are not robots that are there to just be like, God is good in a robotic way. It is, this is who Jesus is, that this is what he did. And they also overcame him by the word of their testimony. And what types of effects did that produce in living kingdom lives of boldness and radical risky faith? They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. That is a testimony to believers who became exactly like their saviour, who didn't shrink back from death. And so we see this believing is seeing, seeing is believing, cycle going on and on with the written word of God, the Rema word of God, and our agreement through faith in who God is and what he said, that there is overcoming and we see the kingdom come. That's what's in that passage. Also, the the well-known one is Revelation 19 verse 10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So not only do um, living in amazing testimony examples and coming back and hearing the very inspiring things uh, we heard this morning that I just, you know, they stir my spirit and they give me joy. It doesn't stop there. Why don't we keep exploring the life cycle of testimonies and of declarations and of the word of God who, who heals um, who, who, you know, casts out demons, who, who raises the dead. 
And um, I went to the Netherlands recently to do a, a Global Awakening School of Healing and Impartation, which I am very wrecked and undone by and have been very different since, and I will mention an example from that in a minute. But Randy Clark actually said, look, I'm exploring and documenting and researching the life cycle of believers' faith, partnership with God, testimonies, and then sharing that as a testimony and it happening again. So one of the examples he gave was from Brazil, um, an injury which he described to us in a lot of detail. I thought people were going to be sick. It was pretty awful. Um, it, it involves a foot nearly coming off. Um, horrific. Um, everything was severed, pretty much. And then complete and amazing healing, and then getting up and testifying, and everyone knowing and being able to see um, in Brazil. And then he took that to, I think it was Taiwan, and then some people that were going to a different church, the Holy Spirit came in their car and said, stop the car, go into this church. And they're like, this isn't our church, we're on like a roster over here, or a rota to go and serve. And the Holy Spirit said, get out of the car and go in. Um, they go in. The young woman uh, used to be an athlete until she had an accident that nearly fully severed her foot. She goes in, doesn't, isn't meant to be there. Randy tells this testimony. She then gets fully healed. Exactly the same thing again. We come to the Netherlands and Randy's like, oh, you should hear the life cycles of the ones about dementia. And he just is talking about things that people are like, I've never seen that healed before. Well, things are happening on this earth that God is very real and very present. And he tells it in the Netherlands and this really amazing um, Spanish woman that lives there was like, right. And I cannot honour the mother hens in our midst enough because she was like, I've been praying. Um, and as a mother hen, she got in her car, she drove um, possibly at speed for an hour and a half, got back to her child that had had a severed uh, foot and some horrendous stuff happened in that injury and had mobility issues. She declared and prayed this testimony over that girl and then came back to the School of Healing and Impartation and then started imparting it all to us. And then we're like, I'm not missing any feet, but I'm quite willing for, you know, like, Randy, have you got any others? And he did because it just... And he's like, oh, this testimony, we've now got up to 5,000 documented healings on this one. And I'm like, this is... We've got to have faith and not to have the blinkers or the limitations on who God is and what he's doing. Um, another example um, from the lives of my friends, they are inspiring and profoundly interesting people. I have never, ever been bored in their presence. Mark and Susanna, they, are, they push my definitions of radical and I already um, have some fairly liberal definitions of what radical is but they are radical. Um, they've been to Bethel. They did the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry for a few years. Um, they've been in different parts of the world. I think they did some things in Rwanda um, and a few other places. And uh, she's German, he's Australian. Um, they have had a variety of challenging situations happen in their life as people who contend and seek to go on and see the kingdom come. They have not been immune to difficulty. Um, and yeah, uh, the ultimate difficulty uh, came on the 8th of April in 2013 um, and my friend Mark had a heart attack and died um, and that was pretty traumatic 
Susanna is a force of nature, so I cannot imagine what that time was like with uh, that having happened because she's um, scarily vocal uh, at the best of times, but I think that really would have been anyone who loses their husband and the dreams and the promises that goes through that. She was just like, no. Nah. And then she just was like, no, I'm not having this. And so over her husband's body, she starts declaring, and Mark is raised from the dead. <laughs> so I have a friend that used to be dead. Um, I went to his 60th birthday recently, and I was messaging them about this last night. Um, just to say, he was in the ICU. There's a family full of doc medical doctors, so their kids and kids-in-law are like high-up specialists in the place where I'm from in Australia. Um, and then they put him into the ICU, and they're like, this man is not meant to be alive. He's not... This is... Don't get your hopes up. And they were like, he's got brain damage, you know. And, they were, and he, he, he was, wasn't conscious or com with it at all. So his body was technically alive, and he came back, and then his body went into a not a state of no man's land for about two or three days where there wasn't much going on and there were medical discussions about whether he was alive and they said he will have brain damage. And Susanna was like, no, he will not. <laughs> and got the kiddies and, um, you know, got everyone declaring over him. Mark is completely fine. He, he has gone on in business. He's written a book since then. Um, and I had the privilege of um, being at Mark's first birthday so, this is where I get to the life cycle of testimonies of believers. So, Mark and Susanna, they love parties. Um, they routinely cater for hundreds or thousands, and it is just, they are capable of much. They've been in different country situations where you just need to have a bit of backbone and you don't get the convenient option. You just need to feed the several hundred people with what you've got. They're that kind of people. And so he had his first birthday in 2014 and I went along. He invited nearly everyone that they knew. It was a very full house and said, come. And there was feasting and there was partying. And then he told the testimony of dying. And Susanna did a lot of weeping and, and also told the testimony of raising him from the dead with Jesus. Um, and then they just were like, there was Christians and non-Christians in the room or people who weren't yet Christians and they put out a chair in the middle and the presence of God, the faith in the room was just heightened beyond belief. The presence of God came and we all had the joy. We, some of us already knew what we were in for so we were like, I'm, I'm there. there. There will be wine, there will be feasting and there will be miracles and that's exactly what happened People came to faith because they just couldn't believe it and they were like, they can make friends with just about anyone. And so, um, and since then, um, on Facebook and recently they had, um, I think, 2013, fourth or fifth birthday, um, and they do this because the testimony is wherever he can deploy that, they will. Um, and then, uh, including his daughter, well, there's multiple daughters that are doctors, but they now tell it, and then they are like, God can do this, and what is the life cycle of this testimony? And I wouldn't wish anyone being in the presence of someone who has died, because that means the loss of a human life, but it can be temporary. And that's exactly how they live. And they have had situations since where... Um, They've almost died, and um, a few of us have been told, and we, oh, 
Oh, that prayer was like, you know, epic. Um, Sometimes you learn to have faith and pray in situations that you really may not easily tell from the front because they were so painful and you were pacing at home and declaring and saying, this is who God is. There is a testimony in this. Um, From Hebrews 11, we also see um, examples of faith and protection. So faith being prominent in situations that require it. So it is not just for healing, it can be for protection, supernatural protection I'm talking, and also provision. God can do miracles that aren't just to do with the human body, but are to do with circumstances changing. Um, And these um, protection and provision are the ones I probably see most in the workplace. And bearing in mind, I work for a university, which is like the capital city of humanism and atheism, where they don't believe Most of them don't believe in a God, but I do. And also, um, I go to uh, prisons or probation, going into offenders' homes at night, spent several... My my whole family is like this, so we are all in criminology or criminal justice, almost, and or forensic mental health, and we've all spent uh, time in very dangerous situations. And I, I can't... Some of them are not appropriate to tell from the front because they're too horrific, but we are fine. Um, God is with us and his callings are his enablings. And so faith and protection partners with who Jesus is and it protects us from the attacks of the enemy. Um, In Hebrews 11, it talks, I think it was about the fiery darts and the lions and um, needing to get through an ocean so that your oppressors don't commit genocide, basically. This This is not particularly easy situations. Also, if we think about Ephesians 6 and the armour of God, when is armour needed? Um, And what's armour for? And which part of the armour is faith described as? The shield. And what do you need a shield for? (laughs) Yeah, getting attacked. You need a shield because someone or something wants to kill you. Um, and that is the firewall or the shield that gets between you and can actually be the thing that protects and prevents that because heaven's protection is with you. So faith in the armour of God is a shield, very present help in times of trouble. The one who can stop. Um, I don't hang out so much with lions, but, you know... um, Again, I've been in, in some very dangerous situations at times that couldn't have been foreseen, and I know that God is with me. My family and I were Skyping, and we were swapping stories on some of these because in our family this is quite a normal conversation to have. Um, and the one that comes to mind the most, because this is just... Uh, my mum, who's an amazing, kind woman, she had a prophecy... Um, many years ago and it said she'd been working with people with brokenness and she's worked in a lot of different areas so drug and alcohol, mental health suicide prevention um, neonatal intensive care over the babies that are meant to be dying but they're not Um, she's she's been a chaplain, she's been a chaplain in a gun massacre She's, she's faced things that you know that has had dead bodies in her presence and I wouldn't um I don't pray for other people to have the thing that our family seems to have, which is we're very good in emergencies um, because the situations can be quite 
distressing, but we're calm and strong and tenacious. But God said very clearly in a prophecy, um, you can go back and work with people who are drug addicted and out of the criminal justice system, and I will bless you, or you can work in full-time Christian ministry, and I will bless you. You have free choice. I will work with you regardless of your choice, and you will be blessed. But I desire that you would go back and work with the broken. And her and my dad, who works in a prison, um, have lots of uh, stories about them being like emergency first responders. Um, and my mum was counselling a man who has a very serious offending history, very serious um, convictions and anger and rage and something snapped. Um, not at her because she's very kind, but he just said something snapped in me and I couldn't, I couldn't remember. It was like blind rage and he couldn't see. And for those of us that believe in the spiritual realms, we might have some alternative explanations for what was going on at the time. But he completely snapped and he went to strangle her. Now, she has had a prophecy that I will go with you and I will protect you. And my mum, she's a bit like me, it's like you guys have biceps and I think I've got bingo wings <laughs> rather than biceps. We can't protect ourselves and I have no intention of ever carrying a weapon or necessarily being able to protect myself. That's not the source of my protection. The source of my protection is my faith in God. And so he went to strangle her in a room that only they were in um, and <clears throat> out of her inner being, and this is something I, I, can, I, I, was, I learnt before I was in infant school, we were always taught the phrase, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, because we'd been in enough situations by that point to be like, someone from an outlaw bikey gang is in the small group, and we're like, oh, you know, if it's all kicking off, it's like, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, and the kitty can do that as much as, you know, anyone else, and those stories are for another time. But out of my mum's inmost being, she said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. So she agreed with the name of Jesus and her relationship with him. The man fell on the ground, completely out of it, unharmed. He's quite a big man. And he became what medics would call catatonic. So he not only fell on the ground... And this was such a rare phenomenon that word spread amongst the psychiatrists and all the medics and like, please, can we come and see this man? Because our students have never seen a case of the catatonic in this way because he was so completely out of it, unharmed, but my mum escaped. And that is supernatural um, and in, in, impossible. That is doing the impossible protection because she could not um, defend herself. So that is God being with her and a very, very present help in time of trouble. And I guess I just, um, yeah, I want to think about the presence of God and, the, and faith in God um, as, as something in closing because there's things that I've seen throughout my lifetime and recently that you're like, God, this Hebrews 11 is amazing, these people... You know, they had walked through a lot and yet you used them mightily and they did great exploits with you and I want to be like that. And what are some of the keys? Apart from faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God, I think practicing carrying the presence and hosting the presence of God is exactly where healing, protection, provision, 
Because we're the other side of Hebrews 11. We are the other side of the cross. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We don't have to go through priests and through temples for these things. And so in Acts 3 to 4, when the disciples had amazing radical faith and were doing many miracles, the people marveled and they said they could see that these men had been in the presence of Jesus. Jesus was not present when that radical miracle of, well, there was a few, happened, but they not only believed and had faith and many came in salvation, but also they were like, you've been hanging out with this man. They were carriers of that man. That man was, you know, for the, all intents and purposes, the audience thought he might have been dead until they came to believe that actually he rose again and he's living in us. Um, so, yeah, the, the final... The final example that I want to share kind of about faith and the presence is hooking back into our understandings of evidence or substance of things unseen. So Mark 16, 17 says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall. So it's because we follow Jesus, signs follow us. It's not the other way around. God takes our belief and following of Jesus, our faith, as the evidence, and then the signs merely testify to that. Um, and so uh, we don't want to be like unbelievers who see the signs as the evidence because that is a worldly way of thinking. And it's easy for Christians to discount ourselves because I have not seen many signs and wonders in this part of my life. I must not have faith and there's no evidence of me being a believer. That is not true. That is a lie of insignificance that tries to keep you back from the fullness of who you were called to be. And so the example that um, I want to share, um, and I'll have trouble sharing this because of just what happened surrounding it at the time and how, how drastically changed I am. So I'm <clears throat> quite a strong and calm and tenacious person and a relaxed Aussie and I'm not... Uh, usually particularly emotional and yet this completely wrecked me and regularly has me undone in terms of what happens and God has full and free permission and if that looks like tears because of the love of God that is completely fine and that's what happened in this example so um, I was at the School of Healing and Impartation and um, Leif Hetland had been teaching on quite a few different things as had Blaine Cook um, and lots of others. Um, one of the guys, Martin, who was there, he leads quite an amazing healing ministry in the Netherlands, and he had been translating, so it was bilingual, um, uh, which means I could go because I can't yet speak Dutch. Um, and Martin had been translating, and then he went to take Blaine to the airport because he had to leave early, and the rest of us were at the conference um, and Martin just is a man of faith. He just loves seeing healing miracles. And he is, um, he and Matthias van der Steen and the others, they just love it. And so he was doing the translation um, and, and then taking Blaine to the airport. And out of nowhere, Martin was in quite a serious car accident. Um, they didn't tell the whole school because that could have been upsetting, but they told the School of Supernatural Heroes, who I was sitting with, and they told the Dutch Revival Alliance, so I heard, and they're like, Martin's been in a really serious car accident, and he's on his way to the hospital, and it's not good. Get praying. So come 10, 11 p.m. at night, we were like praying, like, I thought this is a school of healing and impartation, 
um, but also um, not insensitive to what Martin had been through and the fact that he's in pain and some very serious things are happening at the hospital because to have faith does not mean you don't have a theology of suffering or you are not able to be present with people who are in pain and need the outpouring of God's love and not just to cut straight to the, oh, the good news. It's like, no, this wasn't good news at that point. It was not good. It was not Martin's fault, but out of nowhere, severe car accident, very traumatic. And in the morning, Martin being the, the lover of God that he is and quite strong-willed, um, he checked himself out of hospital and came to the school. The school didn't necessarily know that he was coming, but as he walked into the presence of God with his wife by his side, and she was, she was already weeping, but also the fact that Martin was walking apparently was um, a good situation because there had been he was in, clearly in a lot of pain. If you can see someone's face that is uh, in a lot of pain, he, he, and he just stood there and he started to walk down that aisle. And um, the presence of God was very strong. And then Leif Hetland saw him and just started running for him. And so we'd done a lot of praying. There'd been a lot of faith. We didn't know the answer. The presence of God came so strongly. Leif is running towards Martin, holds him in his embrace. They're just like the power of God takes them out and they're on the floor. Um, and then Martin gets completely healed and completely pain-free in our presence. And then being the healing ministry and the quite strong, I don't know if you tried to argue with a Dutch person, I absolutely love the Dutch. They're my favorite, I'm like, yes. He was like, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna translate for you, Leif. So he was supposed to be dead and in hospital or, you know, like, and he's like, no, I'm translating. And Leif's like, come on. So they started pacing the front and saying, Holy Spirit, more presence. And then Leif got up and shared a testimony. Martin is translating and the presence became so strong that it was like gravity where people were coming off seats because the gravity was coming down. And the weeping got so strong that people couldn't hear the testimonies anymore. And Martin was translating and then had to stop because his shirt was covered in tears because the power of God was that strong and Leif told a testimony and showed footage um, of being in Pakistan where he's um, already seen over a million Muslims saved and he said I will show you footage but you won't find this on the internet because I cannot endanger their lives and he showed footage of um, hundred and something thousand people, there's got to be many armed guards, Leif is preaching the gospel, um, a woman who had been born without eyes, a young woman, um, got up on the stage and in front of everyone has new eyes. Wow. <laughs> and he's like, look, look in the footage, it's like a Facebook video and we are like so wrecked, like I couldn't even find, Randy was like between chairs somewhere, he was just a complete goner and we were all like, I, why do I wear makeup? This is, <laughs> this is not good, like there was, oh. And so she gets healed, a man with severe, um, not only disabilities, but his body didn't represent what a human body would look like or work like, and it didn't work. He was carried on stage and he gets healed. And then this is a, a big Muslim um, crowd in a rural part of Pakistan. And then one of the imams stands up and says, this man knows the living most high God, what must we do to be saved? And so there is a salvation altar call and 87,100 people are running to the front 
and they don't have, I know. We were just getting more wrecked. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I could go much more. And 87,000 people are running to the front. People are throwing off crutches. There is, and this is like, this is filmed and the Holy Spirit hits them and they're hitting the deck and um, fall to the floor. And then Leif is there. The presence was so strong that it did many miracles. And then Leif's security said, you must leave now. Your life is in danger. You must leave now. And he, um, he didn't necessarily want to go because he was like, it's not finished. But they're like, your life is in danger. You must leave now. And Leif could see out of the many desperate crowds, desperate for a miracle, he could see a father. And the father had a son that was in a wheelchair and the father could see Leif but not get to him and the father started lifting up the son, putting him down, lifting up the wheelchair, putting it down and kept doing that. And Leif was like, Lord, let me. And they said, no, you've got to go. So he was packed back to Islamabad and the presence of God was so strong and he was marvelling at the many miracles and yet faith in partnership with love. He said, I cannot get that image of the father and the son out of my mind, Lord. What happened there? I have faith that you can heal. Why didn't you heal him? It doesn't take my touch for that boy to be able to be healed. You are no respecter of persons. What happened to the son? And he was interceding and saying, Lord, I believe you know, I can't, yes, the 87,100, yes, all the miracles, but the, I will stop for the one and faith has to come from a place of love and the impossible has to be done from a place of love. And then in his quiet time, he gets a phone call as he's having this conversation with God and they said, we just need to ring you up and say, the presence of God continued so strongly after the testimonies of what Jesus had done spread. People's faith amongst the Muslims, former Muslims, um, spread so much that more and more happened. People carried the presence and the power of God back to the mosque, back to the school, back to their homes, and people started getting prayed for, healed, saved, delivered in places that had not even been at the original meeting. And they said, the presence of God has gone on. Here are the testimonies. Receive them. And they said, by the way, there was this one father and he had his wheelchair and he had his son. And by this point, Leif and Martin are like in arms, translating, and the Holy Spirit has become so strong that most of us are on the floor. Um, and the father went home thought about the testimonies that he had heard, laid out his son on, on the floor throughout the night and actually had his own conversation with God. So he had faith. The presence of God was over that son for hours into the early hours of the morning in the home. The son got completely healed. No more wheelchair. No more wheelchair. And then they had to basically stop it because we were so busy weeping and then people started going, I'm healed, that amongst 1,500 people in the school, um, all heaven broke loose and there was weeping and laughing and healings and miracles and provisions. I got a message during that service to say, actually, a neighbour has found a house for you, you know. So a rental property, whilst I wasn't doing anything except sobbing and being completely wrecked by the power of God. So I hope that that encourages your faith. 